Chapter One of Our Little Hindu Cousins. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary. Our Little Hindu Cousin by Blanche McManus. Chapter One Hala at Home. It was barely light when little Hala rolled out of his blanket and gave his cousin Mahala a shake as he lay stretched out beside him. Lazy one, listen. I hear little kids bleeding below in the courtyard. The new goats with the long hair must have come. Hasten, we will be the first to see them. Oh, said Mahala, sitting up and rubbing his eyes, thou art the plague of my life. I was in the midst of a beautiful dream. I dreamed that I was sitting beside a clear stream with many dishes of sweetmeats beside me, and I was just beginning to eat them when thou didst wake me up. O oh, thou greedy one, tis always of sweets that thou art thinking, laughed Hala, as he and Mahala ran down the little winding stairway which led from their room into the courtyard. Here they are, aren't they dear little creatures, cried Hala, as two little kids came frisking toward them, while the big white mother goat followed them bleeding piteously. What fine long white hair they have, exclaimed Hala, trying to catch one of the kids as it bounded past him. Lot of fuss over some goats, grumbled the old porter. This fellow with his goats came hammering before cockcrow at the gate, continued the old man, who did not like having to come down from his little room over the big gateway of the court at such an early hour to open the gate. We are early risers in the hills, said the man who had brought the goats. It is you town folks who are lazy, but I promised your master when he bought the goats in the market yesterday that he should have them this morning. Oh, thou art from the hills, exclaimed the boys, looking curiously at the little man in his strange dress. Yes, from the far northwest, and both I and my goats are homesick for the tall mountains with the snow on their tops and the great pine trees. We like not these hot plains, but I must be off to the market. And twirling his stick, the little man left, clanging the heavy gate behind him. Come, we will bathe before our fathers come down, said Mahala, after they had played about with the kids a while. They always say we are in their way. So saying, the two little boys ran into the big garden, where, under a group of mango trees, there was a big stone tank, or pond, of water, with steps going down into it. Here Hala and Mahala bathed every morning, for it was part of their religion and must be done in a certain way. Indeed, some of our little Hindu cousins bathe before each meal, and this is why, all over India, you will see the people bathing in the rivers, in the public bathing places, and in their own gardens at all times of the day. Moreover, it is a very pleasant custom for a hot country like India. As the boys were splashing merrily about in the big tank, 
down dropped a big mango right on top of Hollis' head. Where did that come from, he cried, looking around. But there was no one to be seen, so he went on splashing. When down came another mango, and a sound was heard as if someone was chuckling to himself. Oh, it's thou, son of mischief, cried Holla, as a little monkey leaped down and capered around on the edge of the tank. It was Jam, Holla's pet monkey. A cousin of the gardener had caught it in his field one night when he was guarding his crops from the monkeys. These mischievous animals would often dash out in droves from the nearby forest at night and eat up the farmer's crop. He did not wish to kill the little monkey, for, like many Hindus, he thought it a sacred animal. So he had brought it to Hala for a pet. The boys had great fun with Jam, though often he would play mischievous pranks on them. Today, Jam thought this was just his chance to have fun. Spying Hala's turban lying beside his clothes on the steps of the tank, he pounced on it and carried it up into the mango tree. Oh, son of mischief, just wait until I catch thee. Bring back my turban, cried Hala, as he scrambled out of the water and climbed up after Jam in a jiffy. It would never do for him to lose his turban, for it would be very bad manners for him to be seen without this curious head covering. But as Hala went up the tree, Jam climbed down by an outstretching limb and swung himself to the ground. Then away he went, tearing around the garden, with Hala after him. Suddenly Jam tossed the turban over the garden wall and flew to the top of the house, wild with joy at having given Hala such a chase. Oh, Mahala, find it for me, said Hala. He dropped breathlessly on the grass. Mahala ran out into the road and was back directly. Here is thy turban, all unrolled, he laughed, throwing what seemed to be many yards of white cloth at Hala. Just wait, just wait until I take a good bamboo stick to thee, wicked one, said Hala, shaking his fist at Jam, now safe out of reach, and beginning to wind the cloth around his head. After their bath, it did not take the boys long to dress, for they just wound a long white garment around and around them and slipped over this a little jacket. Let us go to the cook room now and see what the women are cooking. To dream of sweets does not take away one's hunger, said Mahala, after the boys had given their teeth a vigorous washing and rubbing with little sticks, which was another one of their religious duties. As the boys ran across the courtyard, scattering the goats, doves, and fowls, which were picking up seeds and grain, a voice called out, Give me food, oh, little princelings. That must be a beggar, but I do not see him, said Mahala, looking around. It is old Greencoat, said Hala, laughing, and pointing to the other side of the court, where hung a hoop in which sat a beautiful parrot all brilliant green and blue and red. He could talk so well that a stranger who came to the house would look everywhere to find the human being who he thought had spoken to him. Once there came a thief who thought he could steal fine cock that stood under the veranda 
with his head under his wing. Just as Thief caught the cock by the neck, such a torrent of abuse came from above that he dropped the cock and rolled in the dust, crying out, Mercy, mercy, O great one, thy slave will never do this thing again. Then, as he heard a laugh and no one seized him, he fearfully lifted his head, and there sat the parrot, swinging on his hoop perch. The thief slunk away very much ashamed that he had been fooled by a bird. Ah, it smells good, said Mahala, as they looked in at the door of the cookhouse, which was near the great gateway. There were no stoves or even fireplaces in the cookroom, but a series of little holes or cupboards in the wall in each of which was a pot or pan resting on a few bricks or stones over a tiny fire. These little ovens were near the floor, so that the cook could watch the pots and pans while squatting. No Hindu stands up to any kind of work if he has a chance to sit down. Three or four women were squatting around watching the cooking while the boy's old grandmother bustled about scolding everybody within sight. Do not linger here, said the grandmother to the boys. This is no place for children. But grandmother, Shreya is here, objected Mahala. Why can't we stay too? I am helping grandmother, said Mahala's little sister, Shreya, who, with a very important air, was sitting on the floor stirring something in a big bowl. Shreya fell that she was a person of importance these days, for was she not going to be married soon? Shreya is a useful little girl. Besides, why are you not in the great room where thy fathers make sacrifice to the gods of the household? answered the old lady rather tartly. Like all good cooks, she did not like to be bothered while she was preparing her dishes. Come away, the grandmother is always cross when she's in the cook room whispered Hala, so he and Mahala crossed the court again and went into the house. If you should come to visit Hala, you would think no one lived there when you first entered the house. You would see no furniture of any kind, no tables or chairs, for everyone sits cross-legged on mats or rugs spread on the floor, or squats with their heels. The walls are whitewashed and bare, and there are no pictures or knick-knacks such as you have at home. The great room was the sitting room, and the dining room for all the family except the women, who lived in their own part of the house, called the Zenana. At one end of the great room was a shrine, in which was a curious old idol of baked red clay. This was supposed to be the image of the family god, and each morning offerings were made to it. This morning, when the boys came in, they found that the offerings of dishes of rice and wreath of flowers had already been placed around the old idol. Thou art late, called out Hala's father, who was sitting on the wide veranda in front of the great room, smoking his big pipe called a hookah. It was very comfortable on the veranda, for all around it hung mats of woven grass to keep off the burning sun and yet let in a cooling breeze. You must know that India is a very hot country, and that the people make use of all sorts of things to make them comfortable. 
That is why the houses all have broad verandas where the folk can sit and keep much cooler than within doors. It was all Jam's fault, said Hala, and he sat beside his father and told of the trick the little monkey had played on him, which amused his father very much. You have spoilt Jam, he said. Some day he will have to be sent back to the forest if he does not behave himself better. Meanwhile, the steaming dishes of food were being brought from the cookhouse and placed on the big mat in the center of the great room. This kept the grandmother and the boys' mothers busy, for they had to serve three separate repasts, one for the men, one for the children, and then last of all, one for themselves. All this took a long time, for there was Harajar Chumburi, Hala's father, and his wife Lala, and Murray Rao, Hala's uncle, and his wife, and his son Mahala, and Mahala's little sister Shriya, and the grandmother, and several cousins and cousins' widows. They all lived in the big stone house built around a square courtyard, which stood in the middle of a large garden on the outskirts of the beautiful city of Lucknow. Oh, grandmother, give us the fine white rice this morning with the beautiful curry which thou hast made. None other tastes so good as thine, said Hala coaxingly, as he and his little cousins seated themselves on the cleanly swept earthen floor of the great room. Aha! Art thou young, Rahas, that you should eat the beautiful rice of the feast days, said the old lady, as she bustled back to the cook room. For the very fine rice is costly, and not usually given to children every time they ask for it. Nevertheless, the old lady was always pleased when they praised her curries, and like other grandmothers the world over, she quite spoiled her little grandsons. So, presently, she came back with a big bowl of the fine white rice and put a pile of it on each child's plate, taking care not to actually touch the plates themselves. And then she made a hole or basin in the center of each pile and filled it with a steaming hot curry. This is one of the dishes that the children were fondest of, and there are many ways of preparing it. This curry of the grandmother's was made of several kinds of vegetables and was very hot and spicy indeed, but the children enjoyed it. After this, they had flat cakes of fried meal and then a preserve of fruit. Here is milk from the new goats, said the grandmother, placing a big bowl of goat's milk before each child. But hasten, little ones, for I and the mother and Shriya go with my son to the bazaar today. There are many things to buy for the wedding of my granddaughter, continued the old lady, who was devoted to her grandchildren and really ruled the house. Oh, take me too, cried Hala. There are no lessons at the school, for thou knowest it is a holiday, and Mahala goes with his father to visit a cousin. I will be all alone. End of chapter 1